and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling, and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We are here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we discuss youth ministry in large churches or large youth ministry. Today, we're continuing that series as we think about our context of youth ministry. And so far, we've looked at uh, rural and urban and diverse settings. And each of these comes with its own strengths and its weaknesses when we're thinking about youth ministry. And while the gospel of Jesus always stays the same, we know that a congregation's context can change programming, relationship building, and Christian education. So we're going to look at how youth ministry in each of these contexts, and we're talking with practitioners who have experience. We've had some great people on in this series, and we're going to continue that on. And today we're going to talk specifically about a larger youth ministries. And we've had some back and forth in our office about how we define a large church or a large youth ministry. Yeah, it's kind of interesting when you look at literature, I think, and just general something you're going to pull off the shelf. They're generally looking at probably larger churches when you think of American Christianity. So we talk about in the LCMS that a lot of our churches maybe don't quite fit that paradigm in many ways, but we do have large churches too. And so we were trying to like think like, what's, is it a number? Right. Is it something else that goes into saying, what is a large church? So I don't know. I, we talked, went back and forth a little bit, Julianne. I mean, we talked about size of congregation just from membership. I mean, we're probably talking right. maybe churches 500-ish and just straight membership-ish might be ones we're talking about with, but then we got to talk about worshiping community too. Right. And there you're talking really probably when you get into churches of two, 300, you're starting to see like relational connections start to change a little bit. You're starting to ask those questions. Do we need a second service? Right. Uh, and what does that mean for building community? Battle? We, you talked about some other things too, just from your experience. Yeah. I, I mean, I think both of the congregations that I served worshiped just under 200. And so they were in that comfortable spot where they needed a second staff person. Yeah, staff. But I knew most of my kids, right? And I was very much a generalist. I did children's ministry, I did youth ministry, I did adult ed, all of those things. So so, so for me, that didn't feel particularly big, although for some congregations it might be versus like when I think about the church I grew up in, which had many, many more members and had probably a hundred young people on the, on the high school roster alone when I was in high school, that to me would be big. But I don't know if there's that many churches that have that many young people in their church anymore. Right. And then you get into the side of youth ministry. And then if you're doing ministry to young people, is the expectation just to the young people or is it to their families? So, so now you're taking... For every young person, there's three, four people in the home. Right. So it, it just expands that way too. And, and one thing we talk about, I think it's a little maybe unique sometimes in LCMS circles too, is schools. Man, Lutheran schools can be just this yeah. amazing connection to students who are kind of funneling from, especially if you got a K through eight school. And now it's like, what does senior high ministry look like when they've been in Lutheran schools and maybe they mm -hmm. don't have a high school. And you also got these great Lutheran teachers around you too, that can add to your ministry. So there's... There's different things that can play into what does that mean? So we, we yeah. really are having a hard time to just nail it down. But I think as we talk with our guests, you'll kind of get an idea of what we're looking at. As I said earlier, uh, we know that every context has strengths and weaknesses. We even saw this in our research. In another episode on small youth ministry, we discuss how relationships happen more naturally or organically with small churches where people are worshiping and having fellowship together. The relational connection we have can be different in a large church, still very, very present, but having more young people or families in a congregation can provide momentum towards a strong nucleus for programming in particular and peer-to-peer -peer relational connections. Those relationships and programming can factor in keeping young people and their families connected to the church and to God's word. Today, we are talking about youth ministries and larger churches with Pastor Leon Jameson. Pastor Jameson is Associate Pastor of Next Gen Ministries at Hales Corner Lutheran Church 
in Hales Corner, Wisconsin, a suburb of Milwaukee. Leon served as a director of Christian education in large congregations in Wisconsin and Missouri, working mainly with families and youth. While serving in Missouri, he started at Concordia Seminary to become an ordained minister and has since completed his studies. Leon grew up in Colorado, a huge Denver Bronco fan, and is a proud graduate of Concordia University, Nebraska, where he met his wonderful wife, Gretchen. They live in the Milwaukee area with their two wonderful daughters. Welcome, Leon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. You know, hearing you talk about the definition of a large church, right, or large group, how do you define that? You guys didn't mention the budget for pizza. <laughs> I think that, that has That's another marker. Of, right. <laughs> oh, I mean, let's, I, but I would have to say that pretty much every youth cleaner can intuitively know based on just the size of the group, big or small, exactly how much pizza to order. <laughs> right. We're absolutely, we're very gifted at that. Well, welcome to the podcast. I, we're glad you're here. Oh, we got to hear briefly about you and your bio, but tell us something about your vocations, your roles in ministry and things that bring you joy. Yeah. So, um, I'm a little bit of a ministry mutt. I've kind of captured that just in the sense of I've always had a heart for young people, families, and have served in that context, certainly as a DC now as a, as a pastor, but still the constant has always been impacting uh, young people, whether that's children, youth, families, kind of that little bucket. And I find great, great joy in that. And that, that joy has not changed. I still love what I get to do with families and with the students, children that I get to serve and to um, share Jesus with. And so it is still a great joy for me. Gosh, as far as something that I enjoy, I love spending time with my, as I've gotten older, I, I don't run really anymore. I used to enjoy doing that, but I do a ton of walks. So I'm, I'm still finding great joy in being out in nature, walking, getting steps, thinking about the day, writing sermons, praying for my family. That's a, that's a place that I find great joy and working in my garden. Awesome. All right. Sweet. Season's kind of short in Milwaukee, probably. But <laughs> yes, so you got to get, get good, got to get good work in when you got a chance, right? That's right. Well, one of the things we love to hear from youth ministry leaders is about their junior and senior high school years or college, maybe. And to think about times to share when maybe Jesus used a key moment or moments or people to keep you close to him or to the church. I love, I love telling a story connected to my adolescent years. Grown up in Colorado Springs and Emmanuel Lutheran Church, there were, there were overlap of years and I can't, you know, as you get older, the actual years blur a little bit, but I know during my high school years, we had called a director of Christian education that came and served and a large part of his role was serving in ministry. And part of uh, his role in leadership in youth ministry was there was a couple key adults, volunteers, not in trade and utilized. And there was one individual that was a volunteer that, that just impacted my, my life and my walk Jesus so very deeply. And so this combination of our director of Christian education, as well as this fall of these two men of God, I was just, I was inspired. I, I watched them and I learned from them and I wanted to be like them. And I really believe the spirit worked in powerful ways through this relationship as, as he kind of planted these seeds of doing church work, of doing ministry, right? And so those years as an analyst for, and I thank God that 
Uh, they have been part of my life and continue to be part of my life and where God has taken me from learning and these seeds being planted by them and spirit to where I am at, I am now. We love hearing the impact that adults had on young people that then resonate into today as we get to hear how you now work with young people. So maybe tell us a little bit about your congregational life and ministry to NextGen at, at Hills Corner and what do you love about working with young people and in your church and community? Yeah, I love, I love what I get to do here at uh, Hills Corners. Um, so NextGen ministry it's probably a, a term or a phrase that may be new to some folks and then others, it's very, very familiar. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very simple in the sense of it's, it's inspired and flows straight from the songs, the idea of passing on, uh, next generation truth and the news of, of God. And so what I get to do here as uh, associate pastor in next gen ministry, I have a wonderful that work with children's ministry, middle school ministry, and high school ministry. So. My role uh, is I get to I get to work and see them do uh, these amazing things because of their gifts, their talents, and so in the way that we have our staffing model here at Hills Quarters, I oversee this this great group of of staff members. We've got uh, we've got three paid staff members: children's ministry and middle school ministry. We've got two paid staff members in youth ministry. We've got the one paid staff member. And then we've got kind of support system that, that goes around that. And, and that doesn't include, obviously, the unbelievable group of volunteers right. that help to yeah. make this ministry happen. But my great joy is being with this unbelievably creative and passionate people as we, we really try to impact family. Mm-hmm. And we, we kind of, we try and capture next gen in this way, um, kind of with this phrase. And this is true for all of those age groups that I know we're talking youth ministry, and this is very true for ministry in this context, but we, we really work to encourage, to resource, to empower families, to have Bible faith in Jesus. And, and so that shapes every little thing we do in all of these kind of age demographics. And that's true in what we do in youth ministry, both middle school and high schoolers here in Wisconsin. I have to imagine, uh, like you said, just with the number of staff, number of people, number of families that you minister to those keeping to those key foundations keeping you guys focused on that work has to be so vital just in terms of your leadership, the leadership of others, um, because that's a lot of people you're connecting with and a lot of different contexts too, in that way. So some great stuff that I'm sure we could spend another whole podcast on in terms of just that structure and how you keep that consistent. But, and I do want to, I do want to talk a little bit. You, you heard us maybe bantering a little bit at the opening about, you know, what is a large church? And I know you've been able to serve you're now in three large, you've consulted with many congregations too on youth ministry or ministry to families in that context. I mean, and we really wrestle with what that means. So when you consider aspects of your ministry at Hills Corner, so you talk about the structure of the staff and the leadership and the volunteers, maybe what factors do you look at when you've gone through these steps with churches to consider yourself a large church? And you might need to think about strategies differently when you're ministering to young people and their families. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and when I kind of consider the journey that God has placed me on and, and walked and led me through, just connected to, especially in this youth ministry world, yes, three locations, distinctively different. And, mm-hmm. and if you would, just based on numbers of congregation, right, large to larger to largest has kind of been my, my progression. But I, I would say this in the midst of kind of your question, of, okay, what's distinctive midst of some of that? I was straight out of uh, Concordia, Nebraska, DC, uh, 
excited in my first call and really just with the very best of intentions, really connected to youth ministry. Don't get me wrong, had wonderful volunteers and parents that were connected to this, but really wanted to have my hands in everything, lead the way, <laughs> everything. And, and it was okay. And I was successful. I was young. I had tons of energy. I was able to do that. Well, in the midst of that journey and then being called to, to Emmanuel in St. Charles, Missouri, again, larger than where I was. I came in with this mindset and this, you know, three, four years of experience and going, this is how I'm going to do youth ministry in this place. I started to realize rather quickly that it was different. I didn't know everyone's names. Mm. There was much larger groups of students and families and some that came once a month, some that came every week, and then some that came maybe once or twice a year. How in the world mm -hmm. do I start to create relationships and and impact a creative ministry that has a, a net that can can reach and can impact this larger families? And and in the midst of this this discovery and these kind of questions and talking with folks, um one of the professors that uh, still love this day and actually just talked with him last week, Dr. Mark Blocky out of Concordia, Nebraska. In the midst of some of our conversation, I don't remember where we were, but he asked me this question and it really made me think larger. He said, Leon, so what's going to happen if you leave Emmanuel St. Charles? What's going to happen to that ministry beyond you? And really that was Mark's wisdom. <laughs> hey, is this ministry about you or is it about the families and the students that you're serving? And it really shifted something that I know I had learned and I probably had preached and shared with the idea of multiplying the ministry beyond one person. And it was at that point that I really shifted my mindset and I began to intentionally design and raise up leaders mm -hmm. so that those leaders would impact the lives of yoke. So in essence, yeah, I still got to, to play and hang out and to lead and, and teach yoke people. But a larger emphasis was on this gigantic group of volunteers that I was pouring into so that the ministry would expand and that net or that impact would broaden because of this great priesthood of leaders. And I got to tell you, from those volunteers, we have some that went on to be church work wow. right? Yeah. We have others that are still lifelong yeah. volunteers connected ministry. And so I discovered that in Emmanuel and now at Hale's Porter's biggest, mm -hmm. right? This kind of philosophy, it's shifted one more time where now I still get that joy of being able to go and shoulder to shoulder, hands on with kids and with students, but really I'm pouring into the staff that I have, who's pouring into the volunteers that they have. And so I've just kind of been on this wonderful journey that God's walked me through in the midst of trying to figure this out. And so it's really been... Uh, movements, if you will, by his hand and his leading. So as you've kind of gone through that progression and as you've developed uh, a better strategy, maybe understanding of, of what what it means to be doing youth ministry in these larger congregations, what do you see are some of the, the benefits that are going to come from that context and where maybe some of the struggles or pitfalls that are going to happen that are kind of perhaps unique to that context? Yeah. And I think I lived the struggles more intimately in my second call at Emmanuel because I was walking out of the, me being involved and so very closely connected with students and that shifting and changing and being okay with others leading a small group or taking an event and me training and pouring into them. 
the, the rub there was that there was a little bit of a mourning or a grieving of the idea of knowing Everest so and closely. Now, don't get me wrong. There's still a relationship there. Certainly as I became a, a pastor, when I was at Emmanuel and here at Hills Quarters, there's still this wonderful, less role of being a pastor in their lives, but it, it, it was different, but I truly believe that God was working something that impacted so much more mm-hmm. than just one person. And so in that place, God worked on my heart and brought peace and conviction and excitement for kind of a shift. And so I wouldn't necessarily call it a, a pitfall for me, but maybe a warning or a grieving process was the idea of the day to day that I still so love. But understanding that this impacted the kingdom of God and the church and the students, families that I served in a much, much larger way. And so that was kind of a part of a learning. And, and now where I'm at, at now, I've kind of hit another shifting point where I've realized, yes, our volunteers are key. Yes, our staff members are key. But I am putting everything in this new season of where I'm at into families, mm. into the parents. I realized that I get a fragment of time <laughs> with these young people connected to right. their parents get. And so if I can pour into love on, equip, empower, walk with, remind families that their church is there, but it's a home centered, church supported, not a church centered, home supported design and how we're doing next gen at ministry. Um, well, they're going to see their parents for a much longer time than they're likely going to meet. And so that's been another shift and a great opportunity. And even with that, there's been some grieving and loss. And yet I truly believe straight from scripture and a lot of studies out there, Christian Smith being one of them Mm -hmm. that kind of point to this idea of leveraging and maximizing moments, families as the place. And so that's what we've been doing here at Hale's Quarters. So one thing I'm, I'm curious about in that larger context with that. So how do you communicate that? I made this, maybe this is getting a little too in the weeds, but how do you show that as an example in a larger church setting to lift up families in that way? Is that more coming from your communication, pastor's communication, or how do you make those connections? Is that more programmatically or how do you guys go about about that to really uplift up and encourage families in that way? Do any insight that you have at that size of a congregation? We're still working on it. Okay. Yeah. It's Um, a lot. It is a lot. But we, we kind of have, you know, if you were to consider a big gigantic aircraft carrier and getting that to kind of turn mm-hmm. is really what we're trying to do here. Although even the listeners may hear it and go, oh yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Well, it may make a ton of sense, but it's not necessarily how ministry is always done. Yeah. And so in a place like this, it's like moving an aircraft carrier and kind of turning it around 180, right? Well, that takes some time. And so it's taken some time for us to do this, but where have we begun? Well, we, we've really tried to capture the idea with parents and with families, the importance of maximizing those moments and cool. partnering with them. Yeah. So it's not a, uh, and some of this has been schedule change, right? From the idea of, okay, you're dropping off your son or daughter for confirmation or for Sunday school. And then mom and dad are going to worship. Well, Ooh, yeah. you know, I think God has designed worship family. I know this. I don't think this. I know this. So, um, have we inadvertently created a system just based on a large space with scheduling mm. that is setting up this divide? And so 
looking at some of these things, we've now raised up the importance of worship as a family and creating components for children as well as students. Definitely this confirmation middle school age helps and, and things that they do in worship together as a family to help raise that up together as a family, worship together. And then in children's ministry and in middle school ministry, especially we work to create faith conversation in the home. Mm. Um, and we've done some really cool things with car talks after confirmation questions or we're weaving this into, although at a very different way, high school ministry, obviously kids are older. They're wanting to be with peers mm -hmm. more than anyone else. And so you have to approach that in a little bit of a different context than when their kids are middle schoolers, they're still sitting but with mom and dad. A lot of times that's a little bit easier to get at, but worshiping the whole, worshiping together as a whole. And then this faith conversation, this has been the ribbon that flows throughout everything we've been doing in lots of different ways. And we found that these two things are starting to kind of turn this aircraft carrier towards really raising up and, and working with families as the center point in what we're doing street next gen. That's great. One of the, the things that we certainly have seen, regardless of the context is the importance of relationships. And you've talked about the family relationship a lot. I maybe want to twist a little bit and talk about maybe intergenerational relationships or relationships, maybe even like said, peer to peer or within the congregation outside the family. So we've, you know, we saw in our research, like small churches, it's pretty easy to have those intergenerational relationships. You're worshiping together. There's maybe not as large of a building to kind of have your own little area. So you're doing intergenerational stuff. Obviously that's gotta be different at Hale's Corner, I'm sure. I'm assuming relationships still important <laughs> as you've been talking about in different ways, but it's gotta look different from a structure. So are there unique challenges and advantages to that at a large church? And how do you keep young people and families relationally connected to the church and to one another? And again, with just those different aspects that get played into a larger church. Yeah. And, and this is a bit of a daily challenge in the sense, although I work, I, I don't, I know faces, mm -hmm. I know faces of, so let, let me just take middle school ministry here. So in our confirmation ministry alone, we have 400 uh, kids, right? Six up to eighth grade. That's how we work, we work with confirmation. So in this middle school ministry, we have 400 plus kids. These are just the kids that right. are connected to confirmation. So there's more. Well, even with those students, imagine one person, oh, that's a 400 kids, you know, it's about faces I can recognize, but I won't always re remember their names. But what we do have is we have a, a design, although COVID has kind of impacted sure. some of these things, as you imagine, small groups, the small group leader that those approved of anywhere from right six to some groups are a little bit larger, eleven students, and they intimately, they know their names, they know their faces, they have a connection of their training, they're poured into, um, it's, it's that kind of things that tries to shrink the size to be a little more intimate and personal, but they also see their pastor. They see me a lot. And so there's another connect point, at least visually and seeing, not just in worship on a weekend, but in other. And so what we've had to do is. It's not just go, well, this is a group of 400. I'm going to do my best. Well, no, we've tried to break it down and really infuse and use volunteers yeah. for that connection. So I might not have that relationship with every student or every family. Hope in the prayer is that there will be key volunteers, other staff members that will have that connect. And I, I totally recognize and get that that is a challenge for some, uh, some pastors, ease, some volunteers. I totally recognize. Mm -hmm that there's a little bit of a squishy space in that. I don't know that we always navigate it perfectly, 
but we recognize it and we do our very best to try to figure that out. Also in programming connected to youth ministry, right? We have some things that try and capture what we would term the congregation, this very yeah. large group. These are kind of open door, front door events. A lot of times very focused on a social that people are going to bring their friends, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this congregation, but then there's this, there's this larger kind of community group that we see and we have relationship with. And then there's this core, right? That's a very kind of common visual. Well, that's definitely present in how we approach youth ministry as well. There's the masses that sometimes we bring together. There's the congregation, which is for the, the congregation, the masses, then this community, which is closer. We kind of know their names, faces, see them regularly. And then there's this core that some of these students take on leadership. Some of these students are playing in a band. Some of these students, when they're at high school, now helping in children's ministry or helping with, with middle school ministry, right? These are some of the ways that we hope to then involve them in a leadership role as they've got. I listened to you talk about having 400 confirmants <laughs> and like, this is like a little bit of a wet suits. Like, <laughs> Right. We, in my current congregation, right? Like I have four, right? That I'm working with right now, right? My four confirmats. And it's easy for me to integrate them into the life of the church because, you know, our, our context is a little bit smaller. So when you have um, a larger context, how do you, what are the practical ways that you integrate those young people, not just in youth ministry, but in the, in the, in the life of the church? Yeah. Lots of, Lots of opportunities connected to all, Terry, whether it's in a worship setting, you know, some of the very familiar things, you know, that you would see, although again, if it's the COVID, acolytes kind of got hit on pause, but that's a very easy one. Sometimes we have uh, students that are acolyting, or I'm sorry, ushering, reading the scriptures. There are a lot that help in the nursery, a lot that help in Sunday school. There are a lot that help with our family events. So those are some of the simple ways that they kind of are involved in, and do it. We have a wonderful mission focus here at Hills Corners. And so we have, we have students that will be going to Haiti and focused on mission in that way and supporting. We have in inner city of Milwaukee, we have a ministry that's connected to this place where they are right. We have food kitchens doing those kind of things. And so there's, there's those kind of things that intentionally try and involve them. One of the ways I would say this though, because it, it truly is, it may sound for some glamorous, the idea of 400 confirmants, but do know that there really is a, there's a rejoicing in that, but there is a struggle in the sense of how do you effectively minister to uh, this group? And that's why our confirmation is, is, you know, this middle school ministry intimately connected families and the hope that we can establish that relationship and support them along the way. But I also, I believe the spirit has led me to a kind of a, a revelation in this, something that we oftentimes will teach and will say, and that, for example, confirmation is just one stop along a lifelong journey of faith, right? We might say that, but I truly embrace that in going, okay, I know that for three years we have poured it and we've decided we've worked with families, but I also know that this is an ending point. Mm -hmm. You know, there may be some that will move from this place and become church workers. We pray that there are are many that will move from this place and as high schoolers and eventually young adults and as adults will continue in Bible study and worship and will continue to grow. And so I've kind of shifted the lens and this pressure that sometimes I think we either put on ourselves or others seem to put on us that we have to give them everything, <laughs> get them 
everything they need and, and kind of find comfort in going, okay, first of all, God's doing that. <laughs> and Lord willing, this is going to be a lifelong journey. Yeah. And yeah. so that's one of the pieces to them of that stuff, everything we're doing, right? Absolutely. Well, and I, I think large youth ministries, you kind of talked about it a, a little bit earlier, right? Like uh, thinking about it as shifting a very large plane. <laughs> Right. There's a lot that goes into maybe that culture shift. And and while you might have access to more resources and a larger network of people to support, you know, the financial and phys- physical needs of your youth ministry, in the same breath, you've got a lot of leaders you have to get on board. There's a lot of parents and teens and lots of opinions that you have to take <laughs> into account. So how does maybe resourcing look different in a large church, con- church context? And how do you like the lot, many, many voices who want to speak into youth ministry and, and have their opinion and their voice in that as well? You know, resources, I think there's probably, right, some of the obvious things that you would go, okay, I, I can understand how this would be different in a larger church, you're likely to have a larger facility or a larger campus. And that's certainly true. So there's, there's, and, and maybe multiple use space you can use in different ways to have different things. So that's, that's certainly one of the blessings, you know, I would, I wouldn't necessarily say budget because every place is going to be different. And for every place, they may still want more or, or I really I don't know that any youth minister has ever said, I've got work. No, we're not doing an episode. I have not met that church. (laughs) And let us know if you are that church. We would like to speak to you. (laughs) But, you know, so there's, there's the budget piece that I think is, is a constant. How do we figure this? How do we maximize the resources to be good stewards? Certainly facility and people, which you touched on. I I think those resource wise, I would also say, and I, I don't know if this is so much as a resource as maybe this is a mission opportunity and responsibility might be too big of a word, but I think there's a component of it. I take very seriously that we have an opportunity and a calling in a larger kingdom in our larger church to encourage, to mm-hmm. partner, to resource, to, to give wisdom if we can, mm-hmm. to invite folks in our community and outside to spend time with other church workers and say, Hey, here's where we've won. Here's what we failed at, right? And to do some of these things. So that's, that's, I think, one of the things that being in a large ministry context, tried to embrace, or at least I have connected the next gen ministry and what we do. Um, and so that's definitely one of the, the pieces. I, there was two parts of the questions though. There was resource. And what was the second part of the question? Oh, just, I, you have a lot more parents who want oh, and teens right. and we I mean we talk a lot about wanting everybody to have meaningful contribution but that yeah. can get really difficult when you are trying to get meaningful contribution from 400 confirmats and their parents and your volunteers <laughs> that's a lot of voices to be listening to um yeah you've got to have big shoulders and thick skin you really do uh because um i do not doubt the folks that have suggestions, plates, ideas that at the root and at the heart, they want what's best for their son, for their daughter. And so do I, right? And so you always try to, to keep that in context. And so there are always those, but I've also in the years that I've been doing ministry seen that that's true in every place I've been. Mm-hmm. And so I'm able to kind of go, okay, this isn't unique to this place or isn't unique to the size. I've always realized there's going to be some of that. But I will say this, I've worked really hard 
in next-gen ministry and continue to work hard, especially in, in youth ministry, middle school and high school, to communicate this, this vision of who we are in next-gen. And once we set that up, and if we do a program shift or let a program die or add something, we're able to point back to this idea of families worshiping together, faith conversation in the home, and these, these other kind of key value pieces that flow in what we try and do with everything in next gen. They may not always agree, <laughs> but they at least know exactly why we're doing what we do. And so it's not because we're just had a flailing back and forth. We, we have a direction and we are convicted and we believe first this flows from the very part of God and there are so many resources that support that. And that's why we're trying something different because frankly, students are leaving the church at a alarming rate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we are trying something different in order to Lord willing remedy that, or at least make a dent in pack that so that folks see that we really are trying something because something isn't working. And that's true at Hales Quarters. And I think that's, that's true around the country connected to churches and youth ministry. You touched on uh, one of the things that I love about some of our workers in large churches, and I want you to drill down on it, maybe a little bit more give specifics. And that was that piece where you talked about having the responsibility to work in the kingdom. And I, I think I'd love to see that in our LCMS churches, that we see a lot of that partnership in the gospel for the care of young people. We just wrapped up a conversation with the larger church, bringing a group to the next, to the youth gathering next summer. And they're in a somewhat rural area and they're going to like pull together like five churches in the area to make this work and kind of be maybe the, the, maybe uh, the hub of the wheel for the churches to kind of plan and things like that. Cause they have the capacity to do it. We know of church workers who will drive hours to go teach confirmation for a church that maybe doesn't have a worker because they hear there are kids there and they want to be able to share the gospel and teach kids the faith. And I just love hearing youth workers who will do that. And certainly not just large churches, but small churches too. But do you want to say a little bit about, about maybe how can large churches contribute to other congregations that maybe don't have their own youth staff or training opportunities or their own schools to help them in their youth ministry and partner with them? I love that. And, and that mission at kingdom mindset is so important. Right. And so invitation, right. That's huge though, that, you know, it, when those opportunities are there for you to invite surrounding churches, you know, to work, to reach out to the, the pastor uh, and say, Hey, we've got this going on. We'd love for your church to come and be part of it. Would you, would you share this? We're going to do this to have some, some parents or some volunteers that would come and help with some of that. So make those connections in the community. Those are huge. Invite, 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 remind folks mm -hmm. that it is not a, a sheep stealing mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing. It is simply let us help you. God has blessed us in this way. And if you have a, a group of 10 that you want to bring to this inflatable day <laughs> that we're having here on campus, come. <laughs> we've got the bill, come and play and then do your Bible set, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. just to invite and to look around the community and see ways work. I love the idea with the national youth gathering. Sometimes transportation mm -hmm. can be daunting for a smaller congregation. Hey, if you've got still 15 spaces on a bus, mm -hmm. reach out to the churches around and say, Hey, if you're able to contribute a hundred bucks or whatever it is, mm -hmm. you can come and, and have these seats on our bus as we travel to, to Houston. Mm -hmm. And so communicate, reach out, let folks know 
you know, if you can help them. One thing, and it's, it's not, not directly youth ministry related, although it has involved lots of students in that age, is with something like in our area, we create a, uh, right, we kind of create a set amongst like four or five different churches. And guess what happens to that set? It, tra- it travels <laughs> yeah. throughout the summer. That's right. That's right. What a great way. Right. Right. What a great way to be the church. Right. Where you, you get an amazing set and it travels from place to place and it impacts the larger. Well, that's the kind of mindset yeah. that you want. That's great. Right. Youth ministry too. I'm traveling. I am a huge advocate of traveling BBN sets. Knowing how many hours of work I had to bypass yes. oh, right. when other churches contribute to BBS sets. And, and I love that, right? Like if you're gonna if you're gonna put money in into a, an event, can we invite, can we can we incorporate other churches who might not have, you know, the ability or the size to be able to do that? We also love to hear how workers find ways to network with other youth ministry leaders. Where do you go to, for networking opportunities and what are some ways you find support and networking encouragement, particularly for your setting? I get thanks for the, the youth ministry office here with with our, our church body, the different ways with the, with the source, with online and digital resources. Certainly this podcast, what a great example of trying to equip and encourage others and, and also help the larger church connect in with churches and church workers in that way. And I'm thankful for that national connected to our church body, the youth worker conference, it's a great way to, as well, you know, and so those, those are some of the LCMS specific, right? And also. Regionally, there are a lot of church groups. DCEs are, are so good in this, <laughs> the ministry world, right, of connecting. And I know, I, I truly believe, being that I was a DCE, still kind of a DCE at heart with a lot of things, that they welcome, mm-hmm. uh, they would welcome a volunteer that is doing DCE-type work and these kind of things. And so that's a great networking place. But keep in mind, there's also a large world of youth ministry outside the LCMS mm-hmm. that, is, that is deep and wide. And so... You obviously want to discern some of those things, but I tell you, I've been, I've been blessed by almost, um, I don't, I think there's very little that Doug feels mm-hmm. done. Now I, I, I'm showing my age as I know <laughs> he's older than youth ministry, but continues to put out such vibrant and relevant youth ministry mm-hmm. resources, you know, and so just being, not that I know Doug, but the resources that he creates either sparks an idea where you're able to take it and plug and play. Orange is also a, a phenomenal creator of content, content design and philosophy. Those, they all have conferences, they all have resources, they all have websites. Those are two great places in addition to our LCMS world to kind of check out and to connect with. Don't forget your Concordias. Yeah. I think your classes or programs are also great resources to, to go and ask. Right. Well, to wrap up, just kind of words for encouragement for our listeners. What would you say can youth ministries do to capitalize on their size, whether big or small, to care for young people and their families? I think it would be this, this mindset. God has you. And so this would be to a volunteer that's listening. This would be to a professional youth worker. This would be to a pastor as a heart for youth ministry. Whoever it is, God has you exactly where he wants you to be for his purpose. And because of that, stop looking over the fence <laughs> and comparing in the sense of, oh, we're deficient. Oh, we can't do that. Now look over the fence and be enheartened and look for opportunities to expand, but don't play the comparison. Find strength in knowing that the Holy Spirit, that God himself has placed you where you're at for his purpose, for mission and ministry. And he has designed and equipped you 
for that. And so from that place, find confidence in knowing that God has you there for its purpose. And so kind of lean into God's word in prayer. What is this God? How do you want me to grow? Where do I need to look? How do I need to expand this or change things? That would be regardless of size for anyone listening. That would be the piece that I'd encourage to pray about. Some great words. Thanks, Leon, so much for being with us today. We appreciate your insight and great ministry you're doing at Hale's Corner. God's blessings on your continued service there. Thank you. I think as we look at size and make maybe comparisons or trying to find things like large, I appreciate that that even as you kind of get to middle-sized, whatever that is, the larger you do get, the more it, the focus becomes about how are you empowering volunteers? How are you empowering parents? How are you empowering additional staff members as necessary to be able to make sure that the young people you're caring for have the right supportive adults, have the right opportunities to serve and lead, have the relational connections that ultimately are going to make um, the most impact for your youth ministry. Yeah, I love seeing some of those things we talk about maybe in the seven practices or other players places play out in just those different contexts. And it may have to look different. There might have to be different emphases that are given. There might have to be, again, additional resources given at times or thought through. But yet those are still those, those strong relationships with peer-to-peer, other adults within families. And I love that idea too. We didn't get a chance to really talk about this with Pastor Jameson, but I was thinking of some of you who you might say like, you know, large church just doesn't fit what I'm doing here. And absolutely, that may not be the context you're in. But yet nonetheless, you might be preparing a young person who's going through a life transition and now heading towards a larger city for work or college or whatever. And I think something you can encourage them is to say, hey, even in a large church, you have ways you can plug in and get connected. And they're looking for people to serve in these different things. And so those young people you've been able to invest in these years, you can point them to directions and congregations that are looking for those volunteers to build those relationships with young people to pass on to the next generation, the faith that we have in our baptism. And I appreciate from from looking at large congregations, and I think this is kind of universally true, is it, it's very true for, for large ministries. And you heard over and over with Pastor Jameson talking about the need to be really focused and deliberate yeah. and to mm-hmm. cast a vision for why we're headed, the direction we're headed, and why we do what we do in youth ministry. And that can be really true of, of both large congregations and smaller ones too. Large congregations certainly have a bigger plan. They're tr- Turn to maneuver, it takes a lot longer, but still that I appreciate hearing like, hey, this is the direction. And, and and if nothing else, you know exactly why we're doing what we're doing when we make those decisions. Yeah, it's so key that I, I always love to hear people talk about maybe more with this generation because of the amount of information that's around them is the more we can answer the question why, and we can answer why we do the things we do to point others to Jesus, to show our care for others. And that at the heart of it, when we get to the gospel of that, the more it gives us a chance to communicate God's word and Jesus's love for us, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah, so some closing questions for you to think about. Uh, first, how are you empowering parents, empowering uh, people in the home, whether the guardians, how are you empowering volunteers to care for young people in your youth ministry? How are you focusing and communicating your foundational tenets of your ministry, whether that's, again, uh, vision statements, whether it's maybe the key verse for your ministry, those things that are keeping you consistent and how you serve young people in their. And finally, how are you in your youth ministry, big or small, connecting with other churches to work together to benefit the young people, not just in your congregation, but around you in other congregations as well? We will continue to keep you in our prayers as you look to serve whatever size of youth ministry you have, not as a comparison game, but as a way to look at how God is uh, 
glorified in many different congregations and in many different settings and celebrate how God has blessed you uniquely to serve young people, their parents, and the volunteers around you. And Gold Podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.